Can you believe it? Episode 50. This is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com. Hi, and welcome back to the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. I'm John McGowan, your host. And yes, this is my 50th episode recording it on Independence Day here in the States. And with me is somebody else who's celebrating a kind of independence, Gene Nacy from Global Ride Studios. Gene, welcome to the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Thanks, John, and uh, congratulations on number 50. You know, I was thinking I would go all the way. My anniversary is kind of the middle of August. I said, well, I can't wait a month and a half. So... Yeah, keep that train be. moving. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You're celebrating a form of independence. Tell us about it. We were sort of forced to leave the spinning programs simply for one reason. We decided on uh, using a different bike. So we have converted our entire, what formerly was called our spinning room, we've converted the entire indoor cycling room to Kaiser M3s. And these are the bikes with power meters and the gear indicators so you know what resistance you're at. It uh, uses that magnetic flywheel. So it's a significantly different piece of equipment. I think you've done at least one or two podcasts that spoke about it. Yeah, Dennis Kaiser and I had a very long discussion about not just his bike, but the new forms of resistance. Okay, so let me make sure I have this straight. You had to give up your spinning credentials? Maybe no, not, not certification personally. I'm still actually a certified spinning instructor. No, but your your studio. My facility, right. I had to actually uh, send them an official notice, giving them 30-day notice that we were leaving the uh, the spinning program, that we were terminating the spinning license for our facility. Okay, but and th- but that was predicated on your choice of a bike. Right, because uh, the the two main requirements for a facility to be able to be called a spinning facility, which is the the biggest benefit to the program is so that you can use it in your advertising and promotion, is that, number one, you use only certified spinning instructors, those that have been trained and have a current uh, certification from Mad Dog or Spin Fitness, and number two, that you use only Star Trek bikes. Manufacturer. So those are the two main requirements. And there's a lot of other things on how to use their trademark and their name and that sort of thing. But uh, those are the, the two biggies. Okay. And, and so what was your motivation then to go through all this? Well, the interesting thing was this was obviously not a snap decision. After we opened a little less than two years ago, you know, we, we struggled as, as everybody does with how to get people using the right resistance uh, for the right benefit. And we went to the annual conference, a uh, spinning conference uh, in, in Miami. That was the consistent theme there, too. It was, you know, it's, we're not alone. That was, that was a big issue. <laughs> we all struggle with that. <laughs> Every, Absolutely. Right. 
Yeah, and so uh, I found out that the Kaiser was at, at that time the only bike that had a, a sort of a gear indicator, and that that got me thinking and looking at that bike a bit. When um, my daughter and I started uh, the Giretto, which was uh, just completed from the from Italy in the Giro d'Italia, you know, the initial impetus for that was we want to prove how good indoor training is for the outdoor cyclists with our whole quest for cycling fusion, bringing the indoor and outdoor worlds together. We need a big event and we want to train really hard. And I purchased the bike for that purpose, for training for that event that you she and I purchased what? The Kaiser M3 okay. bike so that we could track our power, make sure our power was increasing, that we were going to be prepared for a hundred miles a day and two stages in the Dolomites. So long story short, that the training was extremely successful. We were able to accomplish, it was twice as long and twice as hard uh, of, a, of a ride that, that we had ever done. And we were so impressed with the results from that, that when we came back, we did a complete uh, swap of all the bikes. We acquired 20 Kaiser M3s and started the process of selling the the uh, spinner bikes used, and of course, once we made that decision, we had to leave the program. So, we we made sure that the bike proved itself first, and that that it took us to the next level. And that's also very consistent with our thrust in cycling fusion. That we really are encouraging facilities to move to the next level with training tools, heart rate monitors, cadence indicators, power meters. That's where the industry needs to go kind of what I've been calling indoor cycling 2.0. Exactly, exactly. It's just like web 2.0 was the natural evolution on the internet, indoor cycling 2.0. That's where we have to get to. You go into a facility, every piece of equipment has computer monitors and heart rate monitors and you even can find power indicators on other types of aerobic equipment, but the the bikes in the spinning room or the indoor cycling room 95% of the time have no such indicators, no no computers. We found that out. You know, I've been running the survey, and if you or as a listener have not had a chance to uh, add your comments to my survey, uh, you can go to IndoorCycleInstructor.com, and the first couple posts, there's a link to the survey. I'd love to, you know, have a little better understanding of you as a listener, but one thing I'm seeing is, and I asked the question specifically, and it's close to 80% of the the respondents are saying that their bikes have no form of technology at all, which is consistent right. with what you know a spinning bike has always been. And yet uh, we're beginning to see or, or know that there's a lot of value in some metrics. You know, for us to train, for you to train for a big event, and it doesn't have to be a race, but of course that goes without saying training for racing. You want good tools and you want to track your progress. But even just for a big charity ride, uh, something you've never done before. Uh, you you need to be able to track your progress. And without these kind of tools, a heart rate monitor where you can track your heart rate and how long you spend time in certain zones and how if your power is increasing and you know where your comfortable cadences are, unless you can have a methodical, a more scientific approach to training, it's almost like you're shooting in the dark and your your results are going to be much more by chance than by design. Absolutely. You know, and people have asked me, you know, define indoor cycling 2.0. And kind of the short answer I use is it's the transition from entertainment-based exercise to results-driven training. One of the ways I 
talk about, you know, moving it to the next level is moving from exercise to training. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I agree wholeheartedly, but I, I modify your explanation a tad because I think it's important to leave a good entertainment component in there only because knowing us as humans, if it gets too much like work, it's eventually going to grow stale. Oh, I agree. I agree. And, and, and so, you know, either through the instructor being motivating and, and entertaining, which there's plenty out there that have sort of a natural ability that way, uh, either that way or with other or with the music or in, in our case, you know, we're really driven with uh, bringing in video to that equation as well. And so that's how that's one of the reasons that when we had our first day, once we had we had to wait our 30 days, you know, we kept everything pretty much the same until our 30 day period was up. We had a big kickoff for all the Kaiser bikes. Oh, tell me about that. And so we promoted it as the, you know, the first day that we are now an indoor cycling facility instead of a spinning facility. And we combined it with the premiere of our sister company, Global Ride Productions, uh, release of the first Italy virtual cycling DVD. And that happened to be shot on a good part of, uh, I think it's stage uh, 12, where they did the, uh, the time trial in the Giro d'Italia. It was sort of a double uh, debut, not only of the uh, Kaiser bikes at, at our training facility, but also the first Italy DVD in a series of three. It'll have a series of three, just like Hawaii did. And so people were pretty excited. We had people come as 45 minutes early to that class to get seats up front and, uh, you know, get their bikes up front. And of course we did setups, you know, proper setups with goniometer for the, uh, the seat height and plumb bobs for the fore and aft and made sure everybody, uh, was set up properly and went through a, a quick, uh, you know, a uh, little education on the bike, what's different about it. And, um, Oh, well, yeah, because, yeah, you get people that are just used to coming in and going, I'm at, you know, level J, you know, seat position four and a half, you know. Right, right. It's so, all brand new, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. We had the, you know, and safety and education is really important to us. So uh, we did ask people to come early, but we didn't think they'd come 45 minutes early. <laughs> but it was all good because we got everybody set up. And uh, to uh, even make it more interesting, we recorded that class live and then that recording that live recording is one of the selections on the uh, menu for the dvd when when we go to production it'll be you know choose live class you could choose a coach or uh the live class so if you get stuck at home you can't get out and you have your own bike on a trainer or your own spinner bike or stationary bike at home throw that in the dvd and you could select live class and you'll feel like you're in a class so it was uh it was quite a quite a neat night. We did throw up a YouTube video. I think if folks go on YouTube and they they Google or search for uh, Global Ride Italy DVD or something, they should uh, see it. It's about oh, well, I'll minutes. find it and put a link on my site as well. Oh, very good. Yeah, no, I because you know I'm talking to a number of you guys that are producing uh, indoor cycling DVDs, and you each have a little different perspective on it. And um, I think uh, occasionally having a, well, one day I used your one of your Hawaii ones where uh, Maddie, uh, Maddie, Maddie Reed, Maddie Reed, mm -hmm. and 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 I played that for the class and and just to give them somebody to listen to other than me for forty five minutes mm -hmm. and they sure. actually liked it. Yeah, I think uh, 
you know, it does, it keeps it uh, fresh. It keeps it different, especially, especially in the winter when, you know, you're doing an awful lot of indoor training and uh, a lot of long endurance rides. And, exactly. Yep. Building that base. And I know we do a lot of double classes in the winter and you really need some, something to break it up then uh, besides just looking at the instructor and listening to the music. I think I think it all it all helps out a different coach a different perspective. Uh, like you said, I, there are there are a few companies doing virtual cycling uh, DVDs, and I think it's all good because I think it's going to help raise general awareness that you can have a uh, a good entertainment component and not sacrifice any training. You know, you can still have good training objectives, and that's why the coach is on there. The coach is on there to say, "This is how we're going to approach this ride," and watch this and. So now with power, and I use power in that uh, reference power as we were going in the gears, uh, that's going to give us one more element to sort of uh, give guidance for and help people uh, develop. Okay, now Gene, you've got measurable things on these Kaiser M3s. You've got cadence, but you also have power wattage. How are you using that or planning to use that with the participants in your class as far as tracking their progression Two things we're doing right now. In the initial stages right now, we're just telling people to sort of experiment. Uh, in fact, during the class, knowing it was the first time for a lot of them, we had several periods where we stood. And the first time we stood, I said, okay, I want you to go up one gear with this stand. We stood for a short period, came back down. Next time, I want you to go up two gears. We did that all the way up to four gears. So I said, now you have a gauge you have some sort of feel for what each gear feels like in resistance. And so you have a sort of a starting point. And you can now use that to, to determine if you're going to get stronger, push yourself further, rather than just sort of guessing how much you're turning it up and, and knowing that each bike is the same because it's, it's magnetic. But while they're getting used to that, I'm working with uh, Sally Edwards and also uh, Dr. Phil Skiba on creating some power charts that they'll be able to look at in the room that is going to give them some guidelines for two things. One, they're going to see not only what their watts means, because it's not just watts. You know, a 250-pound guy that produces 200 watts is working differently than a 100-pound woman that produces 200 watts. Yeah, you're not going to hang with her. (laughs) No, she's going to leave you in the dust if she can... And um, my daughter's a good example. She has one of the highest watts uh, uh, per kilogram of anyone in, in the, our uh, facility. And she's like uh, five foot two, not, not that heavy. So um, it comes down to watts per kilogram. That's the, your true, true power. So we're creating a chart that lets them see what their watts per kilogram are based on their, their own uh, weight and wattage. The second thing we're doing is we're producing a chart that's going to show them percentage of grades for hills because in Pennsylvania if you don't learn to climb you're not going outside to ride unless you find <laughs> I will attest to that having been <laughs> out by your place yes so you're either going to find a rail trail somewhere which are beautiful and we love to ride on we take groups on but if you want to ride on the road and you want you want to do some distance riding you have to learn how to climb the hills and they're in every grade from you know 3 to 20% so we're creating a chart that where it shows you the percentage of each grade and how many watts per kilogram you're going to have to generate to go up that hill at various speeds. And so now we have a tool that not only are 
students will be able to use, what our instructors will be able to use, they'll be able to create profiles of the Tour de France or even local rides based on the, the grades of those hills and what kind of watts or watts per kilogram the students need to produce to go up those hills at certain speeds. So it's really going to oh, just... Oh, okay. Now I understand. That would be really cool. Yeah, that's it's going to be a lot more fun. We're literally going to be able to have like race course designs and give them very clear direction that if they're going to be on this and you're going to hang with the pack, here's where you need to be. Okay, so how would you? How do you? How do you coach that? How do you? Do you understand how you would describe it to the part? Part of it is, you know, we've been teaching heart zones for a while, also, and we're, you know, our students and instructors are accustomed to coaching folks to be at certain zones. So naturally, they have to go through at least one class where they learn about heart zones, find out what their threshold is with a field test, and have their zones in a card in front of them. Okay. All right. So we're going to have to do something similar to that with power. So that they know when, when they're generating 150 watts, because that's what the Kaiser bike will show them. I'm just pure number of watts they're generating. Mm -hmm. They need to know, well, how many watts per kilogram is that? You know, how does that translate into some of the things we're going to use? We're going to use that sort of a zone approach where it's, the zone equalizes everybody. My zone three and your zone three could be 20 heartbeats apart, but we're still both in zone three. Agreed. So, Again, power is going to be similar to that in that we can have different watts per kilogram based on our weight, but we're producing the same amount of power. It's the same effort to go the same speed up the same grade of hill. So it's sort of a work in progress, but that's where we're heading. So we can coach it similar to the heart zones, only on the basis of power to equalize it for everyone. Excellent. Excellent. So we're excited about it. We I haven't seen anything else, uh, at least on the internet, that offers that that sort of approach right now, because power is still so new in indoor cycling that uh, you know we think we're onto something that uh, is going to make it a lot of fun and uh, uh, very interesting for everybody, from even the non-cyclist up, because it just gives them something to sink their teeth into, another objective. Okay, well, let me ask this question to you because th- this is the thing that in the back of my head as we transition to you know bikes that give us some measurement, are we going to exclude a lot of people or not exclude? Are we going to make a lot of people uncomfortable? Those that you know, I I see coming to the class and are really kind of fooling themselves as to you know that they're actually accomplishing something. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying because in our first class, in my wife's first class, she had a couple people that couldn't get above single digits. And the, the Kaiser bike uh, gears go from, you know, 1 to 24. Okay. So um, single digits generally are uh, not that difficult. Right, <laughs> right. I was to right. say it. Okay. And um, we sort of knew that there would be some folks that would have that problem because we could tell all along they were never using much of any resistance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a little surprising that they were still in the same. One, one woman couldn't get past eight, and she's a real regular. So that's what we want to do. And this is someone that doesn't ride outside, which, again, somewhat predictable, especially in PA. But what we're going to be doing is trying to make it translatable for them or understandable why in everyday life they could use to improve their power because basically it's not power for them it's strength it's strength and another level of fitness absolutely that 
that they they don't realize it, but they've brought themselves to a plateau, and they can't really go any further unless they push themselves a little further. And it might be a little uncomfortable, but now they have a gear that gives them a little feedback. I mean, you can't, even though the gear indicator doesn't have half marks, you can't. There's a little bit of it's modulating, so you can move it up halfway up between eight and nine before you go to nine. But mm-hmm. you have a goal and you have something concrete because at the end of the day, if their fitness doesn't go forward, they hold themselves back from higher heart rates that their body can easily achieve which means it holds them back from burning more calories. Mm-hmm. If they happen to have a weight loss goal, they won't reach it if they don't get a certain level of fitness. That's one of the biggest things people don't realize when they start working out. I've been working out for so long, I'm not losing any weight. Well, you're still getting fit. And to a certain degree, until you get fit, you can't work out hard enough to lose some of that weight. So there are a lot of non-cycling benefits to just getting stronger. And that's where I see the power uh, being useful for, for the non-cyclists. And we have to do a good job of making it translatable to everyday life. Well, that as we move forward here, that will be our objective for those of us that have bikes with power indication. I'm guessing it's going to be a while before I see some at my club, but you can always hope. Yeah, we got to start somewhere. And, you know, we're going to keep uh, sort of uh, preaching that that needs to happen facility after facility. Eventually, they're going to have to change over bikes. And you know what? A lot of these bikes should be able to be upgraded, too. The manufacturers can can make upgrade kits. They have to just be determined and committed to bringing the, the industry to indoor cycling 2.0 with the rest of us, you know, instructors out there and, and students that want to see it move there. Just getting us cadence would be a huge thing. Right. Because you Absolutely. can use that as a, a measurement and then encourage people to maintain it while they're adding load rather than, you know, add load, reduce cadence, end up making the same amount of work. Okay. So Gene, now you've got all this new information. How are you going about communicating it to uh, not, not only your participants to, but uh, you know, everybody within that cycling fusion group. One of the most important things we're going to do is have a, a minimum of a weekly blog post about what we're doing with power knowing that it's a very, still a very new field, very dynamic. Uh, you're going to see more bikes and hopefully more training uh, outlines and, and guidelines for uh, working with power. So we're going to do a post once a week. Uh, I'm actually going to have some sort of little kickoff to um, let folks know about the, uh, the power post. And uh, we might even have some giveaways with our uh, DVDs just to get uh, folks to subscribe to the, to the blog. And uh, once a week, just track what we're doing, new uh, instructor guidelines for working with power, class designs, uh, all sorts of things, everything related to power with the understanding that little by little, facilities are going to move in that direction. Absolutely. And I'm going to be posting links to all your information at the post for this podcast, which I hope to get out by Sunday, July 5th. As long as I can get everything done, I, I seem to commit to too many things these days, but that's okay. Well, you're a good juggler, John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. All right. Well, Gene Nacy, Global Ride Studios and Global Ride Productions, thanks for being on the Indoor Cycle Instructor podcast today. As always, it's a pleasure, John. Thanks.
All right. And for those listening, if you have questions or comments, I'd love to hear them. You can email me, john at com, or just visit the uh, the site and uh, post a comment at the end of this post. If there's something that you don't understand, I'd love to know it so that we can explore it and find you the answers. It's summer outside, and I recognize that uh, the classes are small, but keep your chin up. Fall's coming. Lots to look forward to.